And then during that time in the mid '80s, you were also, you know, while you were still part of the Troutman organization, you were contributing to some of the other acts too, because Roger was working up this whole stable of acts, trying to make it like, you know, a, a Motown-like or P Funk-like empire. Yeah, he was. You yeah. know, he got out of control up there. That's what it was. But yeah, we were. I was working on everybody album at the time and some of the albums didn't even come out the projects that I was working on uh, but that's when I did the New Horizon you know and I did the um, Sugarfoot and then I was in Sugarfoot's video for Kiss and uh, I did uh, Dick Smith what else I did I don't even remember anymore yeah it was a lot of projects going on up there at the time and that's when uh, a lot of different producers were in and out the studio. Yeah, there was a lot going on. But then you could tell by the music just started coming on out, out of there too. What What was Sugarfoot like? It was cool. Sugar was a nice guy. You know, talk to him sometimes, you know, tell us little stories about, you know, when we were the players and we were on the road and we did, you know, hearing these guys tell these stories. Even hearing Ray Davis tell me stories, you know, Sugarfoot was, he was cool. And then we did the video and it was, it was cool. Yeah, but it's, but it's real <laughs> He's one of a kind, man. No doubt about that. He was like that all the time. Every time you see him, if he ran into him in the grocery store, he was the same old way. <laughs> he talked, he talked to you and he was cool. He was real laid back. And uh, Sugar was in there, and Chet and Diamond was in there, and yeah, Billy Beck was in there. Billy was a really, really integral part of what we were doing up there. I think Billy worked on every project up there. And because of that, I was a huge Billy fan. And Billy made sure that I was on every project that he worked on, so that's how I ended up working on everybody's project from. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, I like Next Range. What she can do, so he used to go on. Yeah, I think he's a, a musical genius, really, Billy Beck. I mean, it doesn't get enough recognition. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely underrated, unsung, because that boy is bad. Yeah. So, is there, you, you mentioned uh, one or two shows. Was there any other, like, experiences while you were still part of that organization? that just really stand out in your mind that you'll never forget that you could share with us? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Maybe one or two other ones? Oh, uh, let's see, what here? What, 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 what happened up there in my, that I, uh, that I talk about a lot? 
<laughs> no, I don't want to talk about that. He said Rick James. <laughs> Rick James, yeah. That, that, oh, my God. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we were out on tour with Rick James. We were out in the West. No, we were out on East Coast. Where were we at? Oh, I guess that was Long Beach, wasn't it? I said, well, we were out there in California. And actually, we had to show before that because we were in Arizona. Anyway, it was just madness. Every time we went on the road with Rick, I don't know, why, why would you have somebody come on a tour with you and then you get most of them on tour? But it was shenanigans going on every night. It was like, for instance, we go on stage, and uh, we were the opening act for it. And he would tell them, promoters, I want them to have half the stage, or I don't want all the lights on the stage, and Roger can't use his lighted guitar and his lighted chairs tonight. You know, it's like, man, this is part of our show. So he would actually cut our show short. And, and if we wouldn't get off stage, we would probably do our show. And if we wouldn't get off stage, he would pull the plug. He would have his people to pull the plug, kill the sound. Why? And this went on, you know, for a few more dates. And we finally just got tired of it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Big thing. That's a shame, <laughs> man. Because I've heard a lot of stories like that about Rick. But... His shows were great that I saw were great. I mean, he was, you know, oh, huge Rick James fan and Stone City band. I love that band. I mean, I grew up on that song. You know, when he the very first you and I, Mary Jane, you know, and I was real excited to be on that tour. I'm like, I'm on tour with Rick James. And then to meet the Mary Jane girls and everything, I was like, oh man, this is really great. But it wasn't. I didn't get to really interact with the girls. The girls stay hidden all the time in the dressing rooms or wherever, in the buses and stuff. And it was just, it was bad. You know, I, I still don't understand how you ask somebody to be, or whoever put this show together, they thought it was a good idea. Was that Heyman production? I forget who was that Heyman I forget whose production that was. But every night it was something. It was torture. So we were glad to get off that show. Whereas then we were going to show with somebody else. Uh, we were going to show with Cameo or SOS Band. And, oh man, it was fire! You know, it was God, the function of Astrid and Simpson. It was hmm. the switch. Oh, the switch tool was wonderful. You know, they're from Akron, Ohio, too. There's all that, some more of that Ohio, Ohio stuff going on, that Ohio flavor. And um, it was just amazing going out with all these different groups. But it, but that one, that was just the one that it sticks out a lot because of all the things that we And I mean to the point that we had to go out there one night and throw our uniforms out there in the audience and stuff. Of course, I couldn't take off my clothes, but the guys just did their stuff in the audience and people went wild. So Rick, uh, Prince got in his head, he said, oh, you know what? Because he was in the dressing room with us, he said, you know what? He's done that to me, too. He said, so I'm going to tell you what to do. He told Roger what to do. And then the next night, when Rick went out on stage, in the middle of his show, Roger went out into the audience. 
and all the people went crazy. So now their focus is not on Vic. Their focus is on what Rogers did. And Rogers, I just said, signing autographs and some of the other band members said, hey, I'm going too. And they all jumped out and on it. I was a chicken. I didn't go out there. <laughs> I was thinking, no, no, I had enough people snatching on me. No, because you get killed out there in that audience. You know, all, all the funk bands, especially in Dayton, but also in the whole marketplace, were competitive. You know, everyone wanted to turn it out and, you know, do better than the other one. But yeah. mostly I thought it was, you know, a healthy co competition and mostly like a friendly competition. But Rick, but Rick was one who would sometimes take it beyond that. Oh, he took it way far. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And, uh. <laughs> my husband's over here to like, oh my goodness, yes. We, I mean, the things we went through the big days, the standoff against the bands and everything. <laughs> it just, it was bad. And you guys, you know, you had the costumes, you know, that was part of it, too, was the, the presentation that you guys did on stage. Did, did you ever have any wardrobe malfunctions or anything like that? And wardrobe malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, back to Long Beach. But this was a good time. I think it was this time when we were with the Commodores. And I was, oh, boy, if you've seen me, I'm really, you know, on the stage. I'm, I'm lightning on the stage, you know. And I'm just kicking and dancing and having a good old time. And my my top slid down because I had a lacquer lacquer bodysuit or something. And it started sliding down. And it just it exposed breath. And right in the front row, like I said, was Jane Fonda and Mr. <laughs> T. And who else? Um, uh, Marlon and Marlon and uh, Tito Jackson and just everybody. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my Lord, and I grabbed it and turned around, and Lester, old drug by me, he was cracking up laughing, because he told us in his dressing room, he said, Nett really handled that. She started dancing with this until she could get to the side of the stage and started holding on to it, you know, I'm like, oh, my Lord. And then after I got that situation under control, and somebody was pinching on the side for me, on the side of the stage, and then I came out there doing my that stuff again, and then all of a sudden, a heel breaks on my shoe, because I got off the let off. Oh my God! What else can happen this night? So y'all was always having something going on on stage with my clothes or with my. I was always breaking the hell on my shoe. But it was so much fun. And the Gap tour, Gap and Zap, that was, was the tour. That was that tour was fire. And I think that's when Charlie and Roger became best friends. They were really good friends, cut buddy, because. Zap and Zap, Yep and Zap, yeah. You know, them with the whole full orchestra or horn, the whole band rhythm band behind them and us with the whole rhythm section behind us and everything kind of, it was kind of like almost, you know, same. You know, you had the Wilson brothers, you had the Trotman brothers and everything, mm -hmm. and then you had the supporting actors. And everybody was so good in his band, you know, and in our band, and, and you're right, you had that rival, but we weren't rivals. It was like, okay, it's y'all turn. Y'all turn going, y'all going out there, and y'all get it ready for us. So we had a good relationship with the Gap Band. Yeah, Charlie was, oh, Charlie, that's my Charlie. 
And then I would look forward to seeing the girls, you know, because finally, because I was always the only girl on tour. I mean, we'd be out there with Cool in the Gang and for Function and all these boots and bricks. And there was no girls around to be found, you know, unless they're, I don't know, working concession or something. <laughs> I'd go down there and talk to them, you know, just to see another girl out there. And I would sit a lot of times alone out there doing sound check and sitting in the audience and stuff. And it wasn't no girls around. But um, when we got on tour with Gap, of course, Don Silva and um, Val, Val Young. Mm -hmm. I was able to sit and talk with the girls sometimes, have some girl chat. That was fun. Yeah, so I remember that. And then when we went on tour with the SOS band, there was Mary. At least I got to talk to Mary. Mary Davis, she was a sweetheart too. So yeah, we went on band. We went on tour with everybody at that time. Yeah, right there at that time in particular, it was big time boys club. But as the '80s progressed, a lot more uh, R&B groups came out that had you know women as the leaders, singers. You know your Star Points and your Atlantic Stars and your uh, midnight stars and a lot of stars, but uh, yeah, the women started getting more prevalent as the 80s wore on, it seemed. And I was excited about that, but then again, the girls stayed with their band members. I didn't see them much, you know, I didn't see those girls much. Even Sky came out on the road, too. I didn't, you know, speak to them, by and by, you know, that was mm. it. Yeah. So, you, uh, you left the, the fold. Uh, around the mid-80s, I think, right? I sure did. Um, we were in the studio recording the news app for you. So that was a fantastic moment. Because uh, that's when we recorded Computer Love. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that night, Charlie Wilson came to the studio. It was actually Charlie and Don that came in like, oh, at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I thought they were in town for something, but I don't know. You know, I thought they had something else going on, that's why they were in town, but they came into the studio and everything. And we were all just, I was wrapping up my part of the session. You know, I was, you know, singing on the album, other stuff. And then, um, I think me and Shirley were just sitting there, and we were all waiting to leave the studio, actually. And then Rob was like, come on in here, now I got something for you, I want you to hear this. You know, and uh, what, you, what would you do on this? And so Charlie started singing. <laughs> and then came the <laughs> computer love was born. Yeah, did you feel that was going to be a, a hit right from when you first heard it? I, when I, yeah, when I heard Charlie Wilson singing, <laughs> I was like, because we were out there just listening to it, you know, out there in the, the, the lobby or the sitting area. Like, wow. Like, oh man, we were just enjoying Charlie because he was in that floor and he was in that throwing down. Probably half the stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. Mm. You know, but next thing I know, I'm hearing it later, you know, and it was a hit, you know, flatter. Like, oh my God. Yeah, that was a moment to remember. And the news app for you, though, I wasn't impressed with the album itself. I don't know what went wrong there. It was a mixture of a whole bunch of different songs on there. And um, it just seemed like this, anything go together on it. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't funk. It was just, I mean, we had a little rock and roll on there. And then we had some southern stuff about 
She went for Ruski and I'm not Ruski. Tell me something did. I don't know. It was all over the place. But, hey, it was an old album, so. Well, do you think that the sound was uh, changing like that because personnel was changing so much or maybe uh, being overly extended with other stuff or being too fat and comfortable or what do you think was... Yeah, it, it definitely had to do with the change of hands, uh, the change of producers, uh, letting a lot of people come in and experiment because they weren't producers. You know, uh, they came in there with a whole different idea and they came in and changed that sound. That had, we were creators. We weren't imitators, and we had a, we had a sound of our own. But all of a sudden, it started changing. Then we started sounding like other artists. Like, why are we sounding like Prince? Prince is out there. Prince has already got his own thing out there. Why are we trying to sound like somebody else when we have that sound? You know. And the whole thing, though, at first we were all supposed to branch out from that like Bobby Glover had his own album then we, we were going to record Greg's album and then we were going to record my album so we went into the studio and we actually started the process and sometimes when I came off the road I was going to the studio and I had to start working on my, one of, at least one of my songs that was going to be on the album or something you know to introduce me next and it just didn't come to fruition it was just I didn't have enough time. I was rushed. Um, other people were in the studios doing their things, and now you no longer have much studio time, and everybody was spread thin. It, it was just chaos up there by then. By '85, yeah, it was chaos. And uh, I was again. I was now working on um, Shirley Murdoch's "As We Lay," you know, and. All these other people were in the fold, but that was a wonderful thing. That was a blessing for me that she came out on the road because, like I told you, you know, being the only girl in the band, and all like you said, a man's world. Most of the bands were all guys, and then she came in and we became joined that together. And we were the two peas in a pod, and so that was a beautiful. That was a beautiful. That brought together a beautiful relationship me and her at that time too. But then I left at that time because I was tired. Um, I was being overworked and underpaid, surely. And uh, those things started, you know, going downhill. How, how did you actually part? Did you say, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to call it a day, guys? Or how did that go down? You know, actually, all I did was at first I t went into the office and I told Larry that I wanted to take some time off. I said I really need to step back for a minute but what I want to do is work in the studio because I had worked in the studio on my off seasons anyway. See I had a lot of secretarial skills because before there was life before that uh, I worked at um, the, the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Museum. I worked at Wright-Pat and then I worked at DESE which was the Electronic Supply center which was also a government facility a government contractor and uh so you know i i had a lot of skills under my belt so i decided to go in the office and start working in tribal enterprise and because they had their own um uh, they, they had a construction company 
and they built a lot of houses around town. You know, they re refurbished homes. And um, we don't stay back up there. We had to travel. We had to you know, the real estate side of it too. And so I started working in the office. And but after I got out of the office, as usual, I had to go to rehearsal. And I was, and this was our off time. You know, this was uh, off season. So, yeah, I guess this was springtime. So we just do that hip road. So we start get fitted for our outfits, new costumes, and go out on the road and everything. And I just said, you know, I really, really need a break. Uh, and I don't want to go out on the road this and But I had intended to go back on the road. And during that time, I was in the studio one night. And um, there was something on this after you album, I guess. And I was, I was, I was working on Shirley Murdoch's album, too. And I had, it was such a long night. And it was actually me and Shirley both in the studio. And I fell asleep on the floor because I long it was and how tired I was to the point that they forgot I was there. <laughs> so when I got up and opened up the door to the studio, it was morning, it was daylight. And I walked, and Shirley and I got Shirley up, we walked outside. It was the only ones here. Everybody had gone. <laughs> Everybody's gone. And so finally, it's like, okay, well. What do we do now? Do we go get something to you know, come back? Let's try to find somebody. So by that time, Roger and Larry walked around the corner of the building and you know, we saw them walking towards us. And they come fresh, um, coffee in their hands and everything, and ready to go back into the studio. And we're like, wait a minute. We just got out of the studio. <laughs> Roger was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry, I didn't wake you up, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's still Roger. <laughs> and he's like, well, go get the sleep out your eyes, whatever. I don't know, go get to them. And I said, no, and I said, so I said, Roger, can I go get something? Can we go get something to eat or something? Maybe go wash your face, something, then come back. He said, oh, sure, let me look at the time. And then he was trying to tell us what time to come back. And all of a sudden, Satan came into the atmosphere. <laughs> and so Larry said to me, um, no, nah, you can't go get that money. What you mean? You know, I don't care if he has been working hard all night, blah, 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 blah. And actually, I'm paraphrasing because I don't even want to say what he did. And so I just looked at it. Like, what did I do? Well, I've been here all night. We've been working all hard, blah, 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 blah. And he just flipped. So during that whole tour, it was always signs of disturbance there. And uh, so yeah, uh, I left there, and uh, I didn't look back. I said, "You know what, I'm at That's all that's up. Hmm. Because Monday morning, actually, was like, I said, "Really, he's calling me on the phone next." No, I'm done. Matter of fact, I'm not coming back no more. I quit. And I told him I quit. Mm -hmm. and he said, really? Are you, you you sure about this? I said, I'm positive. I'm definitely sure about this. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not going to say nothing about what you did to me. 
it don't even matter how you treated me that day. And I mean, it was on his mind because he was so nice and wonderful. Aren't you sure? You know, but he didn't say why. He didn't even ask me why. He knew why. And then he finally sat there silent on the phone and he said, well, are you going to... Uh, are you going to come to practice and, and still do the Shirley Murdoch debut at Jilly? I said, yeah. I, yeah, I'm doing that for her. I'll be there for her. I said, okay. Okay. And that was the end of that. And then, so after this, life after that. So, um, and right after that, the, uh, the studio wasn't far from my house and neither was the... Uh, the, uh, what is that down there on King's Island? Where they store the buses? Yeah. Anyway, they had an office in a garage right down the street from my home. That, um, which I lived in one of the refurbished homes that they did. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so, uh, they would come by the house every day. They couldn't help because that's. The path past my house was the way to the studio because they would come that way every day. And the, everybody in the band kind of like started, you know, it was just a, just a thing that they do in that once you were not in the group anymore, you became an outsider. So nobody could speak to nobody anymore because you're now an outsider. So nobody wanted to come by my house after all those years. And so, but Larry himself, he would stop by. And stop by, see how I was doing, say hello, you know, then he keep on going. Then, a, you know, a couple of days later, he'll come by, hey, how's it going? Girl, what you doing in there? He outside my house just going to war. I'm like, oh, that's Larry. So he was constantly coming by, but nobody else would come by. But then Roger would stop by from time to time. And Roger would be like, girl, I miss you so much, you know. And then, right before the time of the deaths, I had just seen Larry, and we talked, you know, and it was, it, we were always, and the thing is, we were always cool, you know, when we talked after that. There was no animosity or no hard feelings or nothing like that. And then, so I talked to him about two weeks before that, then just a week before that, Michael and I ran into a Kroger grocery store, and he was going to Donald Duck, and I had my son, my first son, Leopin, with me. And um, Roger was doing the Donald Duck and stuff and playing with my son and teasing Mike and everything about us having another baby because I was pregnant at the time. And he uh, <clears throat> asked me and Mike at the time, he said, you know what, I'm working on some things and I'm doing, you know, different things now. And I'm, you know, basically at that time he was running his own show. And I think that's what he was, um, he's like, you know, so... You know, he was excited at telling us about Dr. Gray and the things that happened in California and all this and that. And I mean, he was a he was an entirely different person. And he was like, "Yo, you know, I've been saved and all that other." And he said, "I want y'all to come by the studio." And um, oh, I thought I was talking to it. <laughs> And he said, I want y'all to come out of the studio. What y'all doing now? And, you know, we're telling what we're doing, where we're working at. And, and he said, I really want y'all to come by. He said, I'm putting the group together and I'm going to do this and that. And I think at that time he was trying to put the original group back together because other people had reached out to as well. But he definitely told Mike and I to come back. 
and he told me, you know, even if you just come to the studio and do some work for the girl, you know, I want you to come back and sing, you know, you're my angel, you're my sweetness, you're my voice. And so all the time on the road, Roger would always call me sweetness. He said, man, you got that sweetness, that sweetness, that sweetness. That person won't do it right to that, you. Do I do that shoe? Can't nobody take that away from you. Oh, that's you, girl. Just put down the record. You know, that's there for life. That's you. And I want that back. So Mike and I, we were like, okay, Roger, we'll come by. We're going to do that. And we had planned to go to the studio and go back and see what Roger was talking about. We was going back to see what his new plans were. That never happened. And that was just a week later when all that other stuff went down. Springtime of uh, uh, 1999. Yep, because I was pregnant. That was a very, very hard time for everybody. It's such a sad situation that they have because I always think about where would he be today? Because mm-hmm. my brother was born up. He was on everybody's list. Everybody, and now just look at all the rappers that are sampling him. So his legacy lives on for sure. And then now, life after that, you know, uh, me and Greg Jackson and Bobby Glover and Eddie Barber, we have come together as a Zap anthology. How, how long ago? How long ago did you start doing that? That was about five years ago. We started gigging, you know, as the Zap anthology, the voices of that, because we were the voices of that. I always tell people, attracted me, it's just music that ain't got a voice on it, no vocals on it. <laughs> I was like, they, they didn't do that by themselves. We were a part of that. Even though people kind of try to put us in the background and act like we didn't exist. But a Roger album got all our vocals on it. So that album got all our vocals on it. And we go up there and we sing those songs and we sound just like that because mm-hmm. we are. And in between there, I mean, you know, we put Red has his own solo album out and we do, you know, some of his songs from his album and stuff like that. But it's a joy. It's such a joy. Uh, my last gig before this COVID, we did Fountain Square in Cincinnati. And that crowd was huge. I just posted that again. Actually, that was 2018. I just posted it on my Facebook page again. But, um, yeah, we're doing the Zap Anthology thing. And me and my business schedule. You know, I work every day from 8 to 5. And I am working with the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center. Mm-hmm. You know? doing the um, promotions and marketing for that. So that keeps me busy, too. And um, um, I've written my book. So um, they're ready to put Girl in the Band out. Uh, my Journey Was Up. I think I thought of My Journey Was Up when my first Girl in the Band, First Lady is Up. That's what it's out. Because um, Mr. David Webb of the Funk Center he started calling me first lady. And I said, what is that? Why are you calling me first lady? He said, because you're the first lady of that. He said, when I went to the day here, really, you was the first one I seen up there on stage. <laughs> and he, he and I went to school together, too. So he went back to school and said, yeah, I know that was Janelle Boyce on stage. So, <laughs> you know, so he's like, I'm your number one fan. I was there from the beginning. And then, you know, at UD Arena and everything, he's like, man, that, that's her. And I got to have her here with the funk for so, you know, I've been helping get the funds in together and everything. Yep, that has been my memoir, so everybody will know. When, when do you think that might come out? You know, I was going to put it out this year, 
But now, you know, with everything going on, I'm going to wait to put it out next year, probably by spring. And at the same time, where the Funk Center is having a symposium here in Dayton, uh, over there, you, you, I don't know if we changed it. I think we changed it this year. Last year was that year. But anyway, and I'm, I'm going to be part of the symposium, I think. Uh, it's just, you know, the COVID and all the changes that's going on, we had to move it uh, twice now. Uh, so I'm doing that. And I also am dropping new music in about two. Everybody gets to hear me. Yeah, I'm doing a solo and my first single coming out is called No Reason. And uh, I so kindly have my son to thank for that and Greg Jackson. Because, you know, my son, like I said, he has his own studio here at the house, right, right here by me. All his studio stuff. And he's on YouTube as well. And he's called 99 Wavy. He goes by 99 Wavy. And he's got a video out called Text Me Back that's doing so well. And I am so proud of my baby. And he's got a song out on youtube called um why 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 and so he he taps on mom's shoulder and knocks on my door at 12 o'clock or two o'clock in the morning so my mom come put these vocals down for me <laughs> and i'm like are you logging this because you use me quite a bit here i need to know how much time i'm putting in so i know how much to charge you <laughs> but uh i don't know he's like mom i'm like well i'm feeding you aren't i you live in here, you got a place to live, and I'm feeding you, so I get free studio time. So I come in here and worry him and get all my songs done. Between him and Greg and other people, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, get, I'm putting it together. Wow, can't wait, yes. can't wait to hear that. It's so long overdue. You'll be hearing that real soon. That's coming out on my birthday, October 6th. Awesome. That's yep. fantastic. Um, is it more uh, soul, or is there some funk in there, or what, what should we expect? It's R&B and, and funk. Uh, yep, R&B and funk. One of the songs is actually called Midwest Funk, so I can't wait for you all to hear that. Wow. Now, I know, um, you know, some of the, like, Zap Troutman guys, they were, they were doing some stuff on their own, and you, got, and you have the Zap anthology that you're, you're part of. Is there any reason why those are separate things? <laughs> Why, Scott? Why you want to start trouble? Well, you know, and, that, and it shouldn't be divided like that. It would be just, we really need to just be with that, you know? Because people would love that. People would eat that up. Is that for you, even, you know? But things are happening. Greg was with that for a long, long, long time. Actually, he just left that not too long ago. And they kind of got their issues, I think. Uh, I, didn't, I don't even ask about it. I don't even get into it. But I do know Greg Jackson owns the Zap uh, uh, Mark. What is this? The, Zap the logo? Name and the, he owns the name and the logo. Hmm. And uh, I just want to sing. That's all I know. I just want to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they seem to have, you know, their, their issues going on and their lawsuits and whatever. But they had nothing to do with me. I just really wish they could have been out because I really would like to see that back together. Yeah, and for, it's sort of like a trend that we've seen with, like, a lot of the funk bands. There's, like, different factions, and, yeah, you know, it's hard to kind of, kind of... For the listeners and fans, it can become confusing, which is unfortunate, but, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's confusing to promoters, too, when they think they're booking that, and they're really 
that mythology, and they look at that mythology and that stuff, and then all of a sudden the Trotman's got a problem with it, and you know, it is just one thing after another, but Lakeside went through the same thing, and Celeste went through the same thing, Slave went through the same thing, all these groups. Cameo, Climax, I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah, everybody got their own separate entities of this group, because, um, yeah, because I met Cheryl, she's a beautiful person. Uh, Cheryl Cooley, and then you got the other girl, Bernadette, got her own climax. Like, Lord, Jesus. And it would just be wonderful if everybody could just come back and this work together for the group's sake. All right, just stay in separate rooms. Don't speak to each other until you come back because you know the songs anyway. <laughs> I don't know. But it was, it was great out there, that's who I'm, I'm telling you. And uh, Emily Champagne King, I could go on and on with all the people that we toured with out there. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard the Zap Anthology stuff on YouTube. There's clips out there, and I mean, you guys sound great, so. Thank you. Yeah. We keep doing that. We've been booked this year to do a few um, cruises and stuff, and everything's been canceled. Yeah. We got one. We, we're hoping that it happens in October, but I don't think it's going to happen. Everything, all the cruise lines have just shut down. They're not selling, and nobody wants the Americans in their countries now anyway, so. Isn't that a shame? Yeah. I'll just get along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when you look back on, on this uh, amazing life that you've led, um, what what do you think that you're, what would you say you're most proud of accomplishing um, on the musical side of things? You know, just, just having been able to do this my entire life and now doing it at Oh, I shouldn't say my age. <laughs> but now I'm doing it even 40 years later and have accomplished all this. And the wonderful thing is, I didn't realize I was leaving a legacy. And then I get these girls out here to go, oh, I remember you. Or, oh, my mom talked about you so much. She saw your concert. And that, I am just so full of pride. And the people, a few people who have sent me cards or whatever, and actually named their children after me. Mm. I mean, that is such an honor. And I'm like, he didn't even mind me like that. That could be crazy. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> but it's, it's just, an, just to accomplish something like that and know that I have those just rewards. And then to have a strong backing behind me with the support of my husband, who we've been married for 30 years, we've been together long, 35 years. We've been married 30 years. And to still be doing this today, and now watching my sons grow up and become the musicians or artists that they are, and to still now think back in the swing of things and have reconnected thanks to social media, that I'm still not really social media savvy or tech savvy. I, mean, I can't even, you know, get this thing up by myself without calling, hey, come call my sons to come in here and do it. But to, um, have done this and now watch them following my footsteps or following my husband's footsteps. So my son wanted to play trumpet just like my husband, but he ended up playing violin. He's a very good violinist. And now he wants to do this hip hop thing, but so now he's kind of focused on producing this stuff and being a hip hop artist. And it's funny because mom is always saying, well, you know, uh, we've already done that. Uh, Newberg has done that. 
while he's there up here sampling all these different records. I'm like, oh, that's so and so, and that's the Ice Brothers, and that's New Bourbon, and that's so and so. And he's like, nah, why you always say that? I said, because it's already been done. He was doing what we already done. But the, to me, this legacy like this, and hear the young girls talk about how they, some of them had met me before, and like, you remember me? I met you when I was a and I wanted to be a singer. You know, something like that. And it's really a wonderful thing. And then in my family, for my family to be so proud of me to have come this far and to have done something like this, especially at being a little shy, bashful woman that I am. I'm still that way. Mm. <laughs> what do you, do you have a favorite song out of all the ones that you've appeared on? What would be your favorite? My favorite Zap song is Probably, it, I had a couple of them that I really, really, I was really fond of this one song that we did called Max Max. You're freaking walking like that. Till you stop freaking to the Max Max. Keep freaking to the Max 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 Max. But that didn't really get a lot of attention. So, let's see. You know, I, I got I like Do I Diddy. I think I like I Can Make You Dance, like I said, because it sits close to my heart because that was the song that I had my meltdown on. Mm -hmm. And we got another song that I am just so fond of. Uh, I like the buck. I just really love the buck. We cool, but we need the Monday. Got to have the buck. I just love that because of the lyric content. And it's so relevant today. Um, of having the, the family and you can't put shoes on your feet, they ain't got no food to eat, and working at a factory and coming home and they ain't got money for the bus and stuff like that. And it's it's so it's such a timely song, and it's it just never goes out of style. And so when we sing that line, I love it. See, that's the stuff that exactly anthology brings to the table. We sing the songs. I guess what people would say are the beat songs the side B songs or whatever, or the album filler songs, we sing those songs. We, we put the hit out, because everybody wants to hear more about and I can make you dance, but we sing Spend My Whole Life With You, and, and uh, we sing the, uh, 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 what's the first one? Freedom? Mm. Oh, yeah, Freedom, the people went crazy, because Greg, the way he opened it, like, I bet y'all know nothing about this, you know. And he started, you got some hair marks and a pot of beans, two or three quarters in my pocket, and we free, free, free. People, they love if you bring some of the deep tracks, no doubt. Yes. And see, that's why I wish we could come together with that to do those, come out and hit them with a penny, maybe at the old songs, and then start doing all the hits or something like that. But that's what that anthology is doing. We do that. We hit them with the old school songs that they, you know, long time, um, what is it, So Rough, So Tough, or some mm. of those songs. That's, and, that's probably my favorite Roger song, So Rough, So Tough. <laughs> I didn't know so many people like So Rough, So Tough. Yeah. Until I, I was like, really? I didn't know that they just, the way they love Zap is the way that I love Cameo. I love Mr. Cameo. <laughs> cameo is amazing. I'm a huge Cameo fan. Which we, we took a lot of stuff from their show, though, man. Their guys was fantastic on stage. 
So we were like, oh, they raising their legs. This guy's going to raise off this guy. You know, <laughs> we started taking the show for Cameo, man. Thank you, man. It was amazing out there with the other guys. All the groups borrow a little something from here, a little something from there, and some more than others. If you're the Barcage, you borrow a little bit more, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Barcades, they were borrowing your track and make a hit off of it. Yeah. They hold it off of it, man. I tell you, they were great, though. Watching Larry Dotson in action, man. Oh, my God. All that energy he has on stage. You know, he was like a... He wasn't like a, you know, like a, like a slice stone. He was more like a Michael Jackson or something. He had so much energy up there on stage. But now look at Charlie Wilson today. Mm. Wilson was where you at at a concert. Yeah. Impressive the way he came back, too. Amazing. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm just so honored to have met all those people. And then I'm still meeting artists, you know, to this day. Like after that, like I said, so life after that, I worked at a radio station, uh, urban contemporary radio station, and I met a lot of people there. Like I said, I met Tina Marie. Just, I don't know, all kind of. That's when I met Monica and Brandy and um, Usher. When their names were even big on the charts, now you can't get nowhere near. Uh, boys to men, all of those people. I met so many people working at the radio station. But the wonderful thing about that is when all the pooling again. And Howard Hughes or any of those, another Ohio. <laughs> Howard Hughes, John Legend, I can just go on and on, David, Ohio people, right? Ohio entertainers, but um, when they come into the studio at the station, I'm like, oh, oh, Brian, oh, you know, Howard, oh, I just knew these people when they came, oh, Jay, anybody, another Ohio group. Um, <laughs> when they came into the studio, I already knew these people. When the old school funk or artist or whoever came into the studio, I already knew. Well, that was a wonderful thing. Now everybody in the studio there at the radio station looked like me like, these people. It was a well-kept secret. I didn't really tell anybody what I, who I was at, this, at the radio station. <laughs> undercover. And I was undercover. And it was funny because when they had radio calling day, I would talk to all of these um, record executives. And finally, one record rep, I would answer the phone, and uh, the record rep, he said, you know what, because they had, some of them come to town, you know, trying to push their artists, you know what record day is, promoter day or whatever. <clears throat> and they would come in trying to push their artists. And then finally, the guy went back home, and he came back, and he said, this is the next record, he said, either you got a twin, or this is you. <laughs> and he pulled up the album cover. <laughs> And the DJs was like, girl, that, and when he told the DJ, he said, you know, she worked, did y'all know? And they was like, no, we didn't know. We didn't know. A couple of them because of course I told them. And they were, you know, from the, the uh, what is the program manager, he knew, of course, the owner of the company knew. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I was, they was like, God, you were so honest and so, you don't say nothing. I'm like, that, that was a life before now. And, it's fun talking to you and, and just seeing what a big like fan. Even though you were in it, you're such a fan of it, you know. So it's. I am such a huge music fan, and then go from that, go from singing in high school and grade school, high school, and then singing with a national known band, and then to work at a national radio station, and just learning 
how music worked and got on the radio and all that kind of stuff from a whole other perspective. And to see, uh, you know, like the reps come in and trying to push their artists, get their artists stuff played. And that's when I learned about payola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all that good stuff. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. You know, because there, of course, now we put up, we do a lot of, um, they, the record reps sponsored a lot of um, concerts at the Red Corner radio station. So we brought a lot of people to town, too. And then, and then I worked at a TV station after that, so that was something entirely different. And then there, I started working with this guy named Bobby Cartwright, and Bobby Cartwright is the one that puts on the gospel fest, the the, the super gospel fest. Mm. Then I'm tied to him now with the gospel super fest, and uh, it's like, oh my God! So my it's always music. Music follows me everywhere I go. Somewhere, somehow, I end up being connected right back to music. So now I'm trying to work at the fire department, eight to five, and then after work, I'm dealing with music for concerts, with running, uh, recording music, recording with other people. Because I just uh, did a thing with Big Rob. Well, I did a video with Big Rob. Uh, he's a uh, what is he? Uh, Southern soul or something like that. He does that kind of music. And then I was working with the Thomas uh, Vargas Thomas again on his project. So I'm just I'm working with a jazz artist, Reggie Harmon. I am just all over the place. <laughs> Between that, I am doing my own thing. Wow. So I, I am just, I am the girl of music. And, you know? and somehow you found time to do this with me, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> I am so thankful that you asked me to do this. I'm like, what? Because I've been listening to your interviews, you know? And I'm like, wow. And when you, do it, you ask me to do it, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. So yeah, I haven't done this in so long. And then now, though, I had you and a couple other people call me and say, hey, I want you to do this. Well, hey, I'm back out here. Y'all great hear new music. I mean, Y'all great hear me and not that. Well, so how can, how can uh, viewers keep up with what you're going to have coming? Well, you know, I'm already posting. Uh, I keep up, keep it all on social media. I post on social media all the time. I'm on Instagram uh, as First Lady of Zap. I am on uh, Facebook. I've been on there for years. I love Facebook. Uh, so they, uh, First Lady of Zap on Facebook or Janetta Warren on Facebook. Uh, I'm always posting saying, hey, music coming soon. So I'll, I have all that uh, new book coming soon. I'm start maybe putting out some chapters. Village chapters of my book. Uh, yeah, my, uh, of course, Music Hall of Fame Exhibition Center. They can contact me through there at any time to uh, the Funk Center website, which they should check that out anyway, you know, because I'm always telling people to send us donations and artifacts because people got these artifacts of their loved ones just in the basement or in the attic. And people love what those what their parents did or whoever they were their husbands or wives did. Put that stuff out there for people to see it. Don't just leave it in the basement or, you know, in the house, you know. Let's let other people see that stuff because it is such a joy to see the light of those people's faces and everybody will look at a certain album or something in the museum and they would start telling their story. Oh, I remember when I was dating so-and-so and me and him got there. And they would just start 
you could just feel the vibe and the love, and they'll just turn around and hug you and say, oh, this is so wonderful. So I'm so glad that we finally could put the Funk Music Hall of Fame here, where it belongs, because, you know, we're just the kind of the center of the volcano when it comes to Funk Music. Music, period, here in Ohio is just big. It was just hot back then. And now we're teaching the youth about it. You know, trying to educate them. Like I said, I'm educating my sons. Now my son at his college, he does, and he's on the radio show there, and he's got videos up and everything where he's talking about the history of folk music. Hmm. I don't like what you know about folk. <laughs> they say, "Cause mom, when we get in the car with you, that's all we can listen to." You know, I'm turning that little hip hop stuff off, but now I'm listening to that hip hop stuff because I want to know what they're listening to. And then they say, no, Mom, you can't ride with us because all you do is complain about our music. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, music is my life. Wow, Ooh. that much is clear. And, and I'm so glad that you could share it with our audience, um, my audience, Truth and Rhythm. So thank you so much. Big fun talking to you, Janetta. And uh, really wish you the best with your new, new music and the book. And man... Thank you, and all the things I got coming up. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website. And on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line. Email me at scottg at FunkinStuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs>